But um, because we're starting our fast tomorrow, I, uh, I want to speak about fasting this morning and just uh, try and, and just challenge us a little bit about how we can get a breakthrough in God that just fasting alone won't do it. It has to be a heart attitude that goes with the fasting. And, and I, I'm a firm believer that even though I know uh, we should forsake television and, and uh, you know, computer games, and that's if you're into that sort of thing, um, but I don't think that's fasting. I think that, that accompanies the fasting. Fasting is about denying your body food. It's about um, saying to the flesh, you sit quietly while I focus on God. And it's, it's really, it's, it's, a, it's a seeking of God as your highest priority in, uh, in this season of fasting that we're about to enter into. It's a 10-day fast, uh, starting tomorrow, ending the following Wednesday. And um, yeah, so I just want to speak into that a little bit. And, and I want you to come with me to Matthew chapter 25, Matthew's gospel chapter 25. When I get started, you'll think, what on earth has this got to do with fasting? But stay with me. Matthew 30, uh, 25 verse 31 says, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and my sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry? or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and not help you. And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when, the ref when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Yesterday morning, Margot hosted a, a breakfast for a, a number of women in our church. And uh, I was the cook and uh, I was in the kitchen and we've got uh, uh, glass doors that open out onto a, an entertainment deck and so I wasn't far from where the ladies were, were chatting and talking and so I'm in the kitchen cooking and the ladies are out there talking and, and uh, I, I wasn't uh, eavesdropping but, but I could hear some of the conversation and there was a lot of laughter, there was a lot of um, you know, deeper level sharing than what you can actually experience in a, in a Sunday service like this or in the coffee lounge after church. There was a, a time where 
they were getting to know each other on another level. And, and Margot got everyone around the table to just share a little bit about themselves and, uh, you know, to open up. And some of them were quite raw and, and I, I wasn't eavesdropping. But did you know that Kirillie Nicholson... Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> there was um, a lot of laughter, a lot of sharing of their journeys. And, and you know, people should be a significant focus in our life. People should be important to us. People, the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about people. It's all about love for people, life for people, healing for people, reconciliation for people. It's about uh, a broken-hearted father, our God in heaven, who was broken-hearted in the Garden of Eden when, when our forefathers, in disobedience, you know, put up a, a barrier between God and us. And, and uh, you know, it's about a broken-hearted father being reconciled to his kids. That's what the, the gospel is all about. And, uh, you know, the Bible has a lot to say about the significance of friendships amongst people. And, um, you know, one passage is that, that, that there is a, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And I've had a few of those over the years in church life. Friends that do stick closer than a brother. Friends that you can rely on, depend on. They're loyal. They're faithful. And as I was kind of working in the kitchen yesterday and listening to all the laughter and the, and the fun that was had by the ladies that were there, there was, there was people from all backgrounds, uh, different nationalities, different age groups. But as I, as I listened, I, I thought to myself, you know, what sort of a Christianity would we have without a love for people? What sort of a Christianity would we have without a genuine, deep, heartfelt love and care for those around us, not just those sitting next to us on Sunday, but our neighbours, those that we cross paths with every day of the week, where we work, where we shop, where we live. It's, what sort of a Christianity would we have? It would be a very, very self-centred, and it wouldn't even be Christianity, because you know the whole gospel of Jesus Christ is about getting your eyes off yourself and onto him and onto those around us. Paul said, you know, treat one another as more highly than yourself. So to have a Christianity that is just all about me and all about my growth and all about my healing and all about my um, dealing with my baggage and, and getting whole internally and, and everything's about that navel-gazing of, of, you know, I, I just want God to bless me, to change me, to help me. But it's all about me. And, and, you know, that's why there's so much church hopping today where people will go where there's the latest fad, where they're teaching on this. That's the kind of teaching I want. That's, you know, it's like uh, um, it's, a, it's a self-absorbed cult in many ways when that's how we live because it's not how Jesus lived. So you can't call it Christianity. You can't call it following Jesus because that's not what Jesus did. I think too many of us within the church have a tendency to live quite isolated and secluded lives from people both outside the church as well as those inside the church. And I think the genuine thinking, and particularly for the older generation, it's not so much now with the younger generation, but with the older generation, there, there is that thinking of come out from among them and be separate. And, and there's an element of truth in that, but I think the church has taken it too far where we've come out from among them and we have nothing to do with them. How do you reach them if you have nothing to do with them? But I think it's from uh, a genuine desire to, to protect ourselves from the influences of worldliness, if you like. But it's gone too far. 
But I think there's also a tendency with some of us to isolate ourselves, even from those within the church that we sit alongside of on Sunday. And, and, um, and I think, you know, I'm, I'm not making a, a judgments here, but I think for all of us, including myself, that, that part of that is I don't want you to get too close to me. Because one, I don't want you to know too much about me. I don't want you to see me for who I really am. Uh, because if you see what I really am, you might not like what I really am and, and where does that leave me kind of thing. But I think there's also that, that tendency, if you get too close to me, you might want something from me. And that might inconvenience me. That might put me out. That might have me um, having to do things that I just don't have time for because I'm too busy looking after myself. Um, you know, I, I, um, I desire to live under the blessing of God. And when I, I read the Gospels and I read particularly the New Testament, it's all about people. It's all about loving people, giving to people, helping people. And in obedience to God, in, in obedience to his lordship over my life, coupled with my personal faith in Jesus, there must be a genuine, deep down, heartfelt love for people, for those that are around us. Um, when Jesus asked, which is the greatest commandment, he, he promptly replied. He didn't, even, he didn't hesitate. He didn't have to stop and think, wow, that's a good question. Which is the greatest? He knew exactly how to sum up the entire uh, gamut of the law. And, and he said these words in Matthew 22. Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. In other words, be as caring for others as you are for yourself. Some people say, oh, a lot of people knock themselves around. They eat the wrong foods. They drink too much. They smoke. They, you know, so I don't really care for them. No, no, I think you've got to understand we, we look out for number one. You know what's in it for me? How much will I get out of this? I, I need to get in quick so I don't miss out. There is that tendency in human nature to be, you know, looking out for my self-interest. And what Jesus is saying is, love your neighbour the same way. So he's he's not saying, you know, uh, just deny yourself everything. He's saying the way you treat yourself, treat those around you, and and be just as generous with them as you are with yourself. Be just as kind with them as you are with yourself. You know, it's interesting. Jesus said, this is the first and greatest commandment to love God with all your heart. But he said this, the second is equally important. What does the word equal mean? The word equal means the same as. It means level with at the same level of, of weightiness. And so to love God, he said, this is the first and greatest commandment, but the second is just as great. The second is just as vital. You can't love God and not love people. You can't love God and not love people. You can't live a life of just being in the presence of God, just wanting him to look after you and not have a heartfelt care for those around you. You know, Jesus loved God, but he also loved people. He was intimate with the Father, but was vitally, relationally connected with people. He was close to the heart of the Father. And, you know, he, he, that's why he did so many amazing things. He, he said, I do only what I see my father doing. You, you can only see what your father's doing, your heavenly father's doing, by being close to him, 
by walking with him, by, by spending time with him. He didn't just have a prayer time in the morning. He did that, but he walked with his father. And his father guided every step of every moment of every day. And he loved his father. He loved God. He did exactly what his father told him to do. He touched who, who his father told him to touch. He spoke to who his father told him to speak to. He, he loved his father. He was close to the heart of his father. But because he was close to the heart of his father, he felt the heartbeat of people. He felt their pain. He felt their suffering. He felt their disappointments. He felt their discouragements. Everywhere Jesus went, he, he was distracted by the pain of people. He was, he was distracted by the suffering of those around him, those that he would see. He stopped a funeral procession because he was so moved by the pain of a widow. And, uh, you know, not only lost a husband to, to now have to fend for herself, her, her son, who was probably going to be her social security for the, till the day she died anyway, he's now gone and his heart of compassion just caused him to invade the situation. He loved people. You know, it's interesting to note in Matthew 25 that each of the appraisals and each of the reprimands weren't anything to do with the keeping of ordinances or ceremonial rituals. There was nothing in those reprimands. What they were to do with was what each one had done for people. What each one had given to people. How they had responded to the down-to-earth problems and situations that were faced by people, whether they had given of themselves to meet the needs of those around them. One of the symptoms that sin brought into the human race was selfishness, self-centeredness. You know, it can be so easy to go to church. It can be so easy to take communion. It can be so easy to sing the songs of praise and, and look for that touch from God, that 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 surge of energy to get me through the next week. It can be so easy to give your tithes and to read your Bible and, and feel like you've appeased God in some way. Rituals don't appease God. Fasting does not appease God. It's a heart attitude that will move the hand and heart of God in our situation. You know, Luke said around communion, they'll love me with all their heart. Was that, was that what, where, where are you, Luke? Hiding over here. That's what you were doing, Jeremiah. Yeah, they'll love me with all of their heart. You know, it can be so easy to go to church and go through the rituals of what we do and yet be so self-centered, so self-absorbed, so self-focused that we never give a thought about the circumstances or the challenges that might be being faced by the people sitting alongside of you. God is not moved or impressed by religious ritual. What he wants to see is us following his son. He wants to see us changed into his son's likeness. He wants to see us transformed into the character, the personality traits, carrying the same values that he carries. And it's people. It's all about people. When David was realigning himself with the heart of God after his fall with Bathsheba, Psalm 51 is that repentant psalm that, that really just shows the, the remorse and the regret that David was carrying in his heart over what he had done. He, he didn't just sleep with another man's wife. He murdered the man to get the wife for himself. It's pretty heavy stuff when you think about it. Um, this is the greatest king Israel ever had. This is the king with a heart after God. 
This is the same man who sang praises to God, who, who sang uh, as he tended his flocks and worshipped God. This is the same hero of the Bible that we all love. He's the man who slew Goliath, but yet he murdered a man to get his wife. It was a wicked thing he did. And Psalm 51 is his moment in the presence of God where, where a heart of repentance is just just racking through his body. Every fiber of his being is just so remorseful before God. And he says these words, you would not be pleased if I gave you sacrifices right now. That's an interesting thing. Because back in the Old Testament, that's what you did. You, you made a sacrifice. And the idea was to try and appease God. But, but there was something deeper in God that he wants from his people than just ordinances and rituals. This is the Old Testament king, King David, the king of Israel, says, I would sacrifice right now to fix this. Now, that sacrifice needed to be involved, but that's not what God was after. God was after a heartfelt response. And he said, I would, you would not be pleased if I gave you sacrifices. He said, if I brought you a burnt offering, you would not accept it. The sacrifice you want is a broken spirit and a broken and a repentant heart you will not despise. It's heart attitude. It's heart, heart attitude. Yet what does this have to do with fasting? An awful lot, actually. An awful lot. I want to read to you Isaiah 58, the first 11 verses. Just stick with me for a moment. Isaiah 58, shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud, don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sins. Yet they act so pious. They act so pious. They come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near me. See, you can't hide anything from God. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Pretending they want to be near me. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We've been very hard on ourselves and you don't even notice it. I'll tell you why, I respond. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. Fighting and quarreling. It's the, the horizontal connections. It's the horizontal relationships with the people that Jesus loves and died for that we need to keep healthy and strong and whole. And, and he said, you, you fast, but you keep fighting amongst yourselves. I'm not going to be moved by any. I don't care how long. You can fast till the day you die. I'm not going to respond because it's not coming out of a heart that is obedient to what I'm looking for from my people. Can you hear what I'm saying? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap, cover yourself with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. Do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn. So you see, it's not just a matter of I'm going to go hungry for 10 days and God will respond and we'll get a breakthrough if we are not loving people in the process. If we're not caring for those around us in the process, 
Then your salvation will come like the dawn. Your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors about people. Feed the hungry. Help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden like an ever. That's the result I want from this fast. That's what I'm looking for in this fast. But just the fast alone isn't going to do it. It's going to take me surrendering afresh to God, focusing my heart upon him and declaring, Lord, I submit to you in unreserved obedience. I submit to you in unconditional obedience. God, I surrender my life to you. And right now in this 10-day season, I'm going to suppress my flesh so that my spirit can be focused upon you. And in the process of that, Lord, I want you to guide me and direct me so that I can represent Jesus to this world that I live in, to the neighborhood that I live in, to the people that I serve. God, I, I, I want your salvation to break forth like the dawn. I want you to be my rear guard. I want healing to flow. I want provision. to. I want to be like a well-watered garden. I want Generation City Church to be like a well-watered garden, but it won't just come from fasting. It comes from the attitude behind the fasting. I remember the first experience I had with fasting, and I've shared this before. Some of you will have heard this, so forgive me for telling this again, but I've not long been saved, and someone used the comment of fasting. Fasting now is more of a secular word than it used to be. I'd never heard the term until I came to the church. Didn't know what it was. You know, you fast for blood tests sometimes. You, uh, there's the, the diet fads, the intermittent fasting, diet fads, and so on. Um, but back then, I'd never heard the term fasting. And I said, what is fasting? And they said, well, you, you stop eating for a period of time. And they told me there's different kinds of fasts. But they said the one Jesus did was for 40 days. And he just drank water. And that's all. He, and there was some fast. They didn't drink water or, or take food. But they went, oh, but 40 days, that's six weeks without eating. You know? Now, I've never done a 40-day fast. I, I, man, that would take some stamina. And, uh, but anyway, I thought, I'm going to have a crack at this. And so I, uh, I, I decided I was going to fast because someone told me that this, this will move the hand of God. That's why I did it because they said it'll give you a breakthrough. And, and, but they didn't tell me the hard attitude behind the fasting. They didn't tell me the posture I should take while I was fasting. So I spent this time fasting with my mind just thinking about how hungry I was. I wasn't even thinking about God. I, I wasn't reading my Bible. I, I'm just going hungry thinking, I hope you're seeing this, you know. But I remember I went two, three days, I think it was, and I was so hungry. And, and I worked as a boilermaker welder, and, and uh, the lunchroom, man, the guys would eat sausage rolls and pies for morning tea, and the aroma in the lunchroom was just... How many of you know when you fast, you see every food ad on television? KFC, Hungry Jacks, you know. It's just, it's terrible, but... But I, I remember at three, so I stopped going to the lunchroom. I, you know, I trying to make out that I, you know, uh, you know I, I don't know what I told them, but I just, I just worked through my smoko and worked through my lunch break. And, and uh, anyway, I was there about day three or day four, and I was so hungry. And this young bloke came back that I was working with, and, and he's eaten a handful of biscuits. And uh, I, I, honestly, I just for a moment, I wasn't even thinking, and he offered me a biscuit, and I took it. 
And I took a bite out of the biscuit and I started to chew it. When all of a sudden I thought, I'm fasting. So out of different. And I'm and he's like standing there. He's horrified. And then I felt embarrassed. I thought, what do I tell him? Because he didn't understand what I was doing. I, I didn't even understand what I was doing. And I, I saw their terrible biscuits. I said, oh, oh, how can you eat those biscuits? So, so now I'm fasting, not thinking about God, and I'm telling lies in the process. How many of you know I didn't get a breakthrough? It was just... You know, I, I had a very, very shallow understanding of fasting. I, I believe there is way more to fasting than just not eating. There's more to it than simply stopping the intake of food. The church for generations, and I said this a moment ago, has, uh, has placed far more emphasis on the practice of religious liturgies than we have upon the significance behind the liturgies and upon the one who ordained the liturgies. And we've got to get our eyes. We sang this morning that great old song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. That, that's the answer. That's where we find our every need will be met in him, in him. You know, there's been far more emphasis, though, upon robotic following of ordinances than upon our calling to a life of servanthood. A life of servanthood. A life of, I see you naked, I'll give you clothing. A life of, you're hungry, I'll get you something to eat. A life of sharing what I have with those who have not. But if I share this, I won't have enough for myself. I was listening to an interesting message on tithing just in the last couple of weeks. And, and um, the, whole, the whole thing was about the fact that tithing is not just about a ritual of taking 10% of your income and putting it into the house of God so that the house of God can flourish. It's not just about doing that. It's about trusting God that he can do more with the 90% than you can do with the 100%. And I've, Margot and I found that our whole Christian life where we've always been tithers, uh, continue to be tithers, and we have just found God has done far more with 90% than we could have done without him with 100%. But, you know... Um, it's a, it, the tithing is not about just, oh, I'm paid my tithes, God. When are you going to bless me? I've, I've given 10%. When are you going to bring the provision? He's going, oh, well, it's your heart attitude is blocking everything. It's the heart behind the tithing. It's the heart behind the fasting. It's the posture that we take. God, I'm going to tithe this, even though I, I can't see how I can make 90% meet every expense that I have. I'm going to trust you that I will give to the house of God. And if I build your house, you'll build mine. You see, that's, that's the thing with all the ordinances. It's the heart behind it. It's the heart of faith. It's the heart of trust. You know, I, I don't believe that our 10-day fast will achieve a thing unless our, our fasting is accompanied by a lifestyle of generosity towards people. It, it won't accomplish anything if it's not accompanied by a lifestyle of kindness, of compassion, of empathy, of, of selflessness, other, other people-mindedness. You ever heard of the concept of other people? Yeah. You only have to read Isaiah 58 to see that. They cried out, God, we've fasted. God, we have fasted and you have not seen. We have denied ourselves food. We have flagellated ourselves. God, we have really 
paid a price in pain here. God, why have you not noticed? Why haven't you responded? Well, he responded all right. He says, you call that a fast? You, you honestly believe that is what I'm looking for? You, you really think that making your stomach grumble from hunger is going to impress me? That's what Isaiah 58 is saying. You, you really think that's all there is to it. You fast from your food, he says, yet you care more about your own interests than you do about the interests of those around you. You fast from your food, yet you're more concerned about what's in it for you. Will I get my share what, you know, rather than what's in it for somebody else? Maybe this 10-day fast will find you being used as a conduit of blessing to somebody else in need. If that happens, you've been a Christian, a Christ follower. You fight for fast from your food, yet you fight and you quarrel among yourselves, bickering, snatching and grabbing. You fast from your food when you should be fasting from your lust for money, is what he's saying. You fast from your food when you should be fasting from your lust for, for self-advancement, often at the expense of others. There's more to fasting than a, than a mere self-denial of food. It's a, it's a life of self-denial. It's a life of servanthood, considering others more highly than yourself. It's not having a low self-esteem. How would you treat people if you had a high self-esteem and then consider them even higher than you? You know, it's like it's serving people. If you become like the, the Sea of Galilee with an inlet and an outlet, rather than the Dead Sea with only an inlet, that's why it's dead. There's no life in it. Margot and I got in the Dead Sea. Honestly, it's the weirdest feeling. It's, you can't, I tried, to, I put my head under it. They freaked out when I did people around me. They said, don't put your head under. And I probably shouldn't have because I got salt in my mouth and it was so salty. But I couldn't touch the bottom. And I could stand on the bottom, but I tried to dive down. I couldn't because I just could not stay down. It kept bringing me back up. And you just lay there floating in the water. But the Dead Sea, there's no life in it because it's only got an inlet. It's got no outlet. It's the same with our Christian life. The Sea of Galilee, they fished it because it's got an inlet and an outlet. And it's the same with our life. We've got to have an inlet from heaven. Let the blessing of God flow, but let's be blessed to be a blessing. Say, so, oh, well, I don't have much to bless others with. Bless with what you've got and watch how much more flows in. You know, it's a life of self-denial and, and servanthood across the entire spectrum of life. It's doing what we can to break the chains and the effects of injustice in people's lives. It's doing what we can to lead people to Jesus, who is the answer to all life. If I lead you to myself, I failed. My job is to point you to Jesus. I won't always be here, but Jesus will be. I will never leave you, he said, or forsake you. It's doing what we can, uh, going without in order to help someone else. It's giving of our time, our effort, our money, our love, our understanding, our compassion. It's giving of ourselves. I was hungry and you fed me. I, w I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was homeless and you took me in. It's about caring. It's Christianity in action. And I, I want to encourage you, if you are endeavoring to do this fast, and again, I'm not expecting people to do a full fast. If, if you can and you desire to, that's great. Um, you know, Some of you might just miss a meal a day. 
You might, you might skip lunch or you might skip breakfast or you might skip dinner, whatever it is. Uh, some of you might fast every second day. Some of you might do a juice fast. Some of you might do the Daniel fast where it's just plant food. It's boring. I'd rather eat nothing. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Margot says, you are so grumpy when you do a partial fast. When you just do a water fast, you're so pleasant to live with. I, I can't figure that out. I think it's because I'm, I'm feeding my stomach something and it's going, I want more, I want more. But when you fast just water, after a while, your stomach does shrink. You know, I still, I still, I've done a few 10-day fasts and I still haven't lost the hunger. Though. They say, oh, after three days, you won't feel the hunger. Yeah, well, it might work for you. It doesn't for me. But whatever, whatever you can do, do something in denying yourself food. My, my dad's here and, and uh, I remember the first fast we started, he wasn't impressed. And, uh, you know, he loves his sweets and his biscuits and all that sort of stuff. And, and uh, anyway, he was decided he was going to fast off all the good stuff. And I said to him, I said, how are you going with the fast, Dad? He said, it's not fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> Let's lock arms together, church. Let's, let's, in this season, ask God to give us a greater measure of his love for people. You know, the book of Romans, I think it's chapter 5, says the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. Let's press into the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, give us your love for people. Help us to see people as you see them. Help us to value them as you value them. Help us to love them as you love them. Help us to serve the community we live in by being Christ followers. Let's posture ourselves for a touch of God upon our lives that we can become a conduit of blessing. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you this morning for everything you're doing in this church. I thank you, Lord, for the journey we've been on. I thank you, Lord, for, for the prophetic words that have been spoken over this house generations ago, recently, whatever they might be. I thank you, Lord, for the promises that you've declared over this place. And Lord, we stand together today and we say, Lord, let it become what you've destined it to become. Let this church rise and be the hands and feet of Jesus in this community. Lord, let us go way beyond Hope Cafe and let us be your hands and feet out there in our workplaces, in our school places, in our communities, in our neighborhoods. Let our church be extended Monday through Saturday. Lord, give us a love for people, people that are lonely, people that are hurting, people that are broken. Help us, Lord, to get our hands dirty, loving people who have been affected by life, smashed up by life, confused, mentally challenged, emotionally unsettled. Help us, Lord, to be a stabilizing factor in the lives of those that you cross our paths. As we embark upon this fast, I pray, Lord, for strength, strength in our physical bodies that we can we can Lord be sustained by your word Jesus you said man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God let your word come alive in this, this time and this season let your presence fill us that we might be carriers of life in Jesus name Amen